just want to start just by reading two short verses of scripture. The first is in Psalm chapter 1 and then the second one is in Malachi chapter 3. Psalm chapter 1, the final verse. For the Lord knows the way of the righteous, but the way of the wicked will perish. And then from Malachi chapter 3, again the last verse. Then once more you shall see the distinction between the righteous and the wicked, between one who serves God and one who does not serve him. We'll turn again to some more scriptures in a moment. But if I mention the date February, February the 15th, 2020, I guess it wouldn't mean anything to anybody unless it happens to be your birthday or whatever. <laughs> but on February the 15th, 2020, we had moved from North Wales the week before to stay temporarily with Nicola and Cameron. And in the process between then and the 15th, the 8th to the 15th, we had driven up to Scotland to spend a couple of days with our daughter. On the 13th, I celebrated my 60th birthday in Scotland. And the same day we drove down back to Middlesbrough, because on the 14th we had to be down in Nottingham or uh, Mansfield to attend a funeral. And then on the 15th we went down to Sudbury, down in Suffolk where we used to live. Uh, back in the early 2000s and we visited this lady and while we were in conversation with her she told us that her daughter was stuck in the middle of one of the seas out in the Far East on a cruise liner because somebody on that cruise liner had gone down with some mystery virus. They couldn't get ashore they couldn't return home and so her daughter from the UK was all the way over there a long way from home not knowing when they were going to return and in that conversation with this lady we never even thought for a moment that what was happening there on that cruise liner we then found out was because of something that happened in China was going to actually affect us here in the UK and we're still knowing the effects and we've seen over the news this last week how once again the numbers are beginning to rise again when is it going to come to an end but I've said that not for any particular reason other than to say we know that how it affected us as a church and so on March the 22nd that same year just a little over a month later I began to produce what are what we call the daily devotions which I sent out for the first 13 months every day, seven days of the week and then after 13 months reduced it to just the day, days of the week, uh, Monday to Friday, five days a week. Up until last Friday, that's just gone, so far I have produced 677 devotions 
In the beginning, after I had done them for just a, a month or two months or whatever, Peter Spademan said to me, uh, he said, I think you should be putting them in a book. And I said, oh, it's too complicated, too expensive to put them in a book. But it put a little idea into my head because I like to keep what I've done. And so the first 105 devotions, I am coming back, my name's Jack in the Box. <laughs> I put into a book for my own sake. Um, I think there's an online producer where that does university students' thesis and stuff like that. That one book alone is just 105 devotions, the first 105. So then we moved on and we began to look at some of the other books of the Bible. So far that covers all the devotions except for the books of Thessalonians, 1 and 2 Thessalonians, James, a few that I did on hymns, and the ones that I did perhaps over Easter, Christmas, or um, Pentecost. But out of them all, a third are just on the book of Psalms. Psalms volume 1, 1 to 80. Psalms volume 2, 80 to 150, minus 119. Volume 3, Psalm 119. I've showed you them not for any particular reason again, other than the fact to say that I've enjoyed doing the devotions. And I don't know how many read them every day, and I don't care. Even if just one or two read them and are blessed in some way from them, that's no problem. But it's been a good discipline for me to get into the Word, to enjoy the Word, which I did anyway, but to get into it even more. And you remember that when we came to the end of the Psalms, I said that I had four thoughts that I felt should conclude what we should have discovered from the Psalms, and said at some time that I would share those four thoughts on a Sunday morning. Well, we're going to start this morning, and I don't really know how far we're going to actually go, because in my preparation of this, God has also taken me into some other scriptures such as I've just read there from Malachi and I believe that God has given to me and I'll share a little bit more on that in a moment God has given to me a responsibility um, a challenge for want of a better word I, I just don't know to be his mouthpiece to bring to the church what I believe God wants to speak to us as a church here in Gateshead at this moment. And we'll come to that in a moment. But the four thoughts that I concluded with, with the songs, and I've changed the order around for the sake of the way that I want to share them, is firstly of the importance of the Word of God. I think as I've gone through, as you look at that pile there, as we've gone through the devotions, you will see that I love the Word of God. I believe that the Word of God is important and it's vital for us who claim to be the followers of the Lord Jesus Christ. And so the importance of the Word of God. Secondly, the importance of worship in the community of God's people. And then thirdly, 
the importance of the walk of the man and woman who lives for God. And I've just read the last verse from Psalm chapter 1, which shows us very clearly that if we love the Lord Jesus Christ, if we serve God, the way we live in this world should be completely different to the way that our unbelievers live. We do different things. We go to different places. We get involved in different activities. We don't walk, we don't stand, and we don't sit with those who are scoffing God and mocking God and going the ways of the world. Because the psalm is very clear that God knows the way. He's watching, he sees, he knows what we're involved with, and he knows what will the end be for each one of us. And then the last one is the wonder of God's providential care for mankind. That just amazes me. That God should still care for sinful humanity. The fact that people outside of this church, in these homes around you, have no time whatsoever for God. And yet God still gives them the air they breathe. He still gives them the water to drink. He still gives them the food to eat. He still gives them what they need to get through each day and each week. And of course, we that have come to know him, we know his providential care in his grace towards us as well. And so the importance of the word of God, and we're probably only going to get to this one today because I've got a couple of other things I need to link in as well. It's very clear as we go through the Psalms that the psalmists had a very clear and they had a very thorough conviction concerning the importance of the Word of God. And I thank God that we here, Emmanuel Pentecostal Church, we're a church that still holds firmly to the importance of the Word of God. One of our sta statements of faith or tenets is this, we believe that the Bible, that is the Old and New Testaments, excluding the Apocrypha, is the inspired word of God, the infallible and all-sufficient rule for faith and practice. That's how vital and important the word of God should and must be to us. See, the Word of God, the Bible, is not just a book that can be found amongst other books on a shelf or in a library, but it is to be found as the book. Not a book, but the book. The book of all books. The most important and most relevant book in the whole of history. And why? It is because through this book, or by the book, is the means through which God has revealed himself to us and through which we can come to know him and to have a knowledge of eternal salvation. There are two important scriptures regarding the word of God from the New Testament. Hebrews 4 verse 12. For the word of God is living and active, sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing to the division of soul and of spirit, of joints and of marrow, and discerning the thoughts and intentions of the heart. 2 Timothy 3, 14-17 But as for you, continue in what you have learned, and have firmly believed, knowing from whom you learned it, and how from childhood you have been acquainted with the sacred writings which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith in 
Christ Jesus. All scripture, from beginning to end, Genesis 1, 1 to Revelation 22, where it says, Amen at the end. All scripture is breathed out by God and is profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction and for training in righteousness that the man of God may be complete, equipped for every good work. So as I've already said, the Psalms clearly portray that the scriptures were of great importance to the psalmists. And we need to understand that they didn't have the two testaments that we have now. They just had what God had so far revealed to those through whom he had revealed to them. And so, with what I've said so far concerning the word of God, the question I need to ask, and I'm going to ask, is this, how much do we treasure what we have? How much do we treasure what we have? We love the Lord. We love Jesus. But do we love his word? Do we love his word? <coughs> is it important to us? Is it vital to us? Do we turn to it? every day now as I'm going through what I want to share in these four points and more particular today and in the second point I'm going to emphasize the importance of certain Christian disciplines and some may be thinking as I've said that not again but yes again I'm going to mention things again today that I've mentioned before and the reason why I'm going to do it this morning is because I believe that the things that I share and what I'm going to share are what God has burdened my heart with. Alongside with the burden and the care that he's placed in my heart for you, the flock, the sheep that he has put under my care. And I want to make it clear at this point, I love you. And I thank God for you. And I thank God with all of my heart for the, for the, for the, um, the joy, the, 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 the fact that he has entrusted me to come and to be your pastor and to be the one to shepherd you as his flock. Now, like David Wilkerson from the United States, the founder of Teen Challenge and Times Square Church in New York, had a saying that went something like this. When he was preaching and he was re-emphasizing something again and again, he'd say, you think I'm on my soapbox again. But then he would say, I'm not on a soapbox. I'm on a rock. In other words, when he kept emphasizing something, it was nothing to do with being on a soapbox. Rather, because it was emphasizing truth and Christian disciplines that were biblically based and therefore he needed to keep declaring it. And I need to keep emphasizing what I believe are important Christian disciplines and what I believe are the things that God is showing me, telling me and wanting me to keep bringing and showing and speaking to you that he has put under my care. And one of those important Christian disciplines is the reading and the meditating of the Word of God. We really do need to treasure it. 
But secondly, in this area, the importance of being joined with other believers in our learning from it. And we have weekly Bible teaching on a Friday evening. And yet, sadly, and this really does make me sad as a pastor, so few are here. Sometimes we can be as low as six or seven, and generally somewhere around about nine or ten. Folk, brothers and sisters, sheep, I want to ask you this morning, where is your hunger for the word of God? Where is it? Where is it? We need to be coming together to learn from the word of God. We as leaders, those of us that share God's word on a Monday, a Sunday morning, a Sunday evening, or, or, or a Friday evening, we put time and effort into preparing Bible teaching and ministry. And yet so often, so few come to receive it. There are some verses of 1 Timothy that go like this. It says, train yourself for godliness. For bodily training is of some value. <coughs> godliness is of value in every way. As it holds promise for the present life and also for the life to come. And is it not true to say that we do all we possibly can regarding the physical, the well-being of our bodies, our fitness, our eating, our drinking, our exercise, our health checkups, and all this is vitally important. But I got some news for you. As vitally important as all that is, at the end of the day, the outward man, man is perishing. And you can't stop that. We're all perishing. And one day we're going to die. No matter how hard we try to prolong that moment but what about our soul what about the our spiritual well-being surely when you compare the two this is of more importance because it leads not only to spiritual well-being while we are here in our mortal frame but it also has to do with our eternal well-being the inner man needs to be renewed daily. And part of the daily renewal happens with practicing daily spiritual disciplines as well as being regular in our being connected with other believers in fellowship. It was the greatest teacher of all who said, Seek first the kingdom of God. Seek first the kingdom of God. That is practice living with kingdom behavior and principles. And everything else will be added to you. Or everything else will fall into place. And the same great teacher declared, If anyone would come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. For whoever would save his life will lose it. But whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. For what will it profit a man if he gains the whole world and forfeits his soul? Or what shall a man give in return for his soul? 
For the Son of Man is going to come with his angels in the glory of his Father. And this links in with the two verses I've read from Psalm and Malachi. For it says that when he comes, then he will repay each person according to what he has done. And we're going to be repaid according to what we've done. As to whether we've given to him or whether we've chosen to live for self. So that's what the great teacher said. Now would we dare to say concerning Jesus that he kept getting up on his soapbox? We wouldn't, would we? We wouldn't. No, he was standing on the rock. He himself is the rock and he was declaring eternal truth, ensuring that all who sought to follow him understood what it was going to cost. What we would be expected to do with the realisation that one day we will have to stand before him and give an account as to how well we ran the race, how well we denied ourselves and took up the cross, and how sincere we were with him in our relationship with him, not just as our saviour, but also as our Lord. So we need to ensure that we are building our lives on a solid, firm foundation. And an essential part is to be in regular fellowship, being fed, to be receiving the milk and the meat of the Word of God. One of the subjects that I've covered on a Friday evening, as I've been going through 1 Peter, is the subject of the Scriptures, based around what Peter says in 1 Peter 1 and 1, uh, 2 Peter 1. It says, Since you've been born again, not of perishable seed, but of imperishable, through the living and abiding Word of God. For all flesh is like grass, and all its glory like the flower of the grass. The grass withers and the flower falls, but the word of the Lord remains forever. And then in 2 Peter 1, knowing this first of all, that no prophecy of scripture comes from someone's own interpretation. For no prophecy was ever produced by the will of man, but men spoke from God as they were carried along by the Holy Spirit. We need God's word today. We need God's word today. But as well, we need to know God's word today. We need it and we need to know it. We need to stand firmly upon God's word. We need to ensure that when many are turning from it, many are twisting it, many are denying its truth, we need to ensure that we are established upon it, for his truth is eternal. We need to be taught its timeless truth. We need to be able to understand it so that we can discern that that which is being taught today in so many different ways from the pulpit, from books, on the TV, radio, internet, through religions and isms, as to what we are hearing is a correct interpretation of what God has really said and continues to say. And let me give you a warning. Let me give you a warning. Some may not even like what I'm about to say. Especially if your diet 
Your spiritual diet consists of feeding from some of the God TV channels. Be careful with what you watch and with what you listen to and with what you read. For not every preacher that you listen to on God TV or on YouTube are sound. They may sound okay because of the way they present what they proclaim. They offer the feel-good factor. They tease with their, their motivational rhetoric, while in fact a good many of them are just actually building up an empire for themselves. They are peddling a false gospel. And if they were to do what they're doing in what they call to be their churches today, if they were doing it outside in the world, it would be considered a pyramid scheme. It would be considered a scam, which is exactly what it is. They get richer and richer, and the ones who give to them seem to continue to fall for it, for the nonsense that they're spouting. This week I've deliberately listened to some of the stuff from some of the well-known prosperity teachers, and I'm astounded that so many fall for it. False shepherds, they're from the pit of hell itself, and they're leading millions astray. And what is the reason for it? I believe it's simply because the sheep do not read and do not understand and do not discern the word of God. That's why we need it. I could mention names today, but I'm not going to do it. But there are some names that are so popular that I cannot believe that Christians listen to them because it's utter nonsense. It's another gospel Paul himself said that those who preach another gospel, let them be accursed. The curse of God be upon them. See, the less time we spend with truth, the easier it will be to believe a lie. Think about that. The less time we spend with truth, the easier it will be to believe a lie. And God's word is truth. And while everything else will pass away, God's word will endure. It is settled forever in heaven. And therefore men have no right to twist it or make it sound like what they themselves wanted to say. They have no right to twist it, to reach out to those who have itching ears and will listen to anything and everything without testing it. In fact, they have no right to be preaching the word of God at all. I've only touched on this briefly. But we need to take the word of God and allow it to become to us that which, God, David, that which David described it in Psalm 19. The law of the Lord is perfect. Reviving the soul. Is your soul down today? Allow the word of God to revive it. Give you a pick you up. The testimony of the Lord is sure, making wise the simple. The precepts of the Lord are right, rejoicing the heart. The commandments of the Lord is pure, enlightening the eyes. The fear of the Lord is clean, enduring forever. The rules of the Lord are true and righteous altogether. More to be desired are they than gold, even much fine gold. Sweeter also than honey and drippings of the honeycomb. Moreover by them is your servant warm. In keeping them there is great reward. I've only touched briefly on that point. And if you feel that I've been on a soapbox, 
then I sincerely believe this morning it is time for some heart examination. Some heart examination. To test and try. See with what I've been saying if it aligns with what I believe to be the will of God as revealed in his word. And as a pastor or we as a leadership we could come up with all kinds of strategy for the future. But it will be pointless. It will be in vain. Until we who already call this our place of worship. Can be committed to the cause. And with wholehearted intentions. In our service for the Lord. I mentioned on Friday evening because no one brought a, a good word on Friday I believe it was a word from the Lord and I mentioned that it was a word for me really to come for, for the church but in particular for me to confirm what God had been dealing with me in the week I've been asking God some questions not because I'm doubting God in any way whatsoever I believe God's brought me here that is the deep seated 100% conviction of my heart I'm here in the will and the purposes of God I know that I don't doubt it but I was asking God, what is going to be the way forward? I've called the church to prayer a year ago. I called the church to prayer. And yet again, it's just so few in our prayer meeting. If the folk won't listen to me and the word that you're giving, what is the way forward? What is the way forward? If you believe that I'm your shepherd and I'm hearing from God, then why are we not being obedient to the word of God? Why? Why? And until we're obedient... God won't move us next. He won't. Because it requires obedience. God only. I long for us. I long for us as a local church to grow. And the growth will only happen. If we who already belong. Become committed to attending ourselves. We can't expect others to attend. If we can't be bothered to be here ourselves. We can't. What's the point in asking folk to come to church and we're not going to be here ourselves? And we need to come to that place of worship and commitment to the cause and with wholehearted intent to mention that. We, God can only honour us when we truly honour him with our lives. God can only honour us when we truly honour him with our lives. So I've asked questions. One of them was this. Why am I here? I already knew the answer. Why am I here? Not you. It's about myself. Why am I here? Well, as I've said, I believe with all my heart that God called me to be here. And this week I've been led by the Spirit to the book of Malachi. And as I've been meditating on it, and I'm going to be sharing some ministry from it in the future... But I really believe that this is the commission that God has given me for the present church today. This is what God's called me here for. And this is it. It's to call the church, to call the church back to a total surrender and commitment to God. To call each one to rekindle their first love, their zeal, 
and enthusiasm to serve God with all of their heart. That's what God has shown me this week. That's why I'm here. And I've learnt as I've been going through Malachi and we heard Norman on Friday and some of the other books. I've learnt that sometimes the prophets in the Old Testament had to challenge the status quo. They had to challenge the people. And I will have to do it. Not out of a sense of trying to bring you under condemnation. Because I've told you I love you. And concern for you all. But as I've already said. It is out of the heart that God has given me. To care for the flock. And to bring us to what we see in Ephesians chapter 4. A place where we are attained to the unity of the faith. And of the knowledge of the Son of God. To mature manhood. To the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. When we're ready to show to God we're committed, I believe he'll move. Now Mal Mal Malachi, Norman, shared from Haggai, and I've had to put my ribbon in there because I couldn't find it on Friday, because it was literally just two pages. Haggai. Haggai chapter 2, and when we finished on Friday, I said I was just going to repeat some of those verses because it was so applicable to what I believe God is showing me. Verses 3. Tonight. Who is left among you who saw this house in its former glory? How do you see it now? Is it not as nothing in your eyes? Yet now be strong, O Zerubbabel, describes the Lord. Be strong, O Joshua, son of Jehoshaphat, the high priest. Be strong, all you people in the land, declares the Lord. Work. I am with you, declares the Lord of hosts, according to the covenant that I made with you when you came out of Egypt. My spirit remains in your midst. Fear not. For thus says the Lord of hosts, Yet once more, in a little while, I will shake the heavens and the earth and the sea and the dry land. And I will shake all nations so that the treasures of all nations shall come in. And I will fill this house with glory, says the Lord of hosts. The silver is mine and the gold is mine, declares the Lord of hosts. The latter glory of this house shall be greater than the former, says the Lord of hosts. And in this place I will give peace, declares the Lord of hosts. Norman showed us the context of that in regards to the people of Israel. The temple of Solomon, the temple that was being rebuilt, and the temple will yet be. But verse 3 says this. Who is left among you? who saw this house in its former glory. I have had a number of folks say to me over the last few weeks, few months, about what it used to be like here, right the way back, I don't know how many years ago, 30 years, 40 years, 50 years. And I've had people tell me, this place used to be packed, and if you didn't get here early, you wouldn't get a seat. 
Well, there's no problem with that at the moment because a lot of us don't even bother to come. We're not here. We're not here. Do we long to see this place packed again? How many do remember those former days? Is it what you want to see happening again in this place? Then we've got to be available first. We've got to be here. We've got to be attending. Not once in a while, but all the time. All the time. It says in verse 4, Be strong. Zerubbabel, Joshua, as the leaders. Leaders, be strong. But notice it goes on to say, be strong, all you people. Every one of us. Be strong. And we're only going to be strong if we come to prayer together and we come to God's word together and we're strengthened by might, strengthened by power, strengthened by the Holy Spirit to do what he wants us to be doing. And what does he want us to do? Verse 4 says there, work. Work. What's the opposite of work? It's idleness. It's laziness. Can't be bothered and everything else. The Lord says, work, for I am with you, declares the Lord of hosts. And then verse 5. Thankfully, he turns to them and says, my spirit remains in your midst. Thank God the Holy Spirit hasn't left us. Amen. The Holy Spirit hasn't left us. He's still in our midst. He's amongst us. And I believe the Holy Spirit is amongst us. And I believe he's waiting. And I'm going to use this word reverently like a balloon that pops. The Holy Spirit is waiting to burst amongst us. But he's waiting for us to play our part first. To be faithful. To be committed. And then the bubble's going to burst. The Holy Spirit is going to do something amongst us that is going to make us amazed. My spirit remains in your midst. Thank you, God. That the Holy Spirit hasn't left us. But then verse 9. The latter glory of this house shall be greater than the former, says the Lord of hosts. As you look back to what it was like 40, 50 years ago, and you wish it could be like that again, do you know it can be even better? It could be even better. I've only got a few years till I retire. I want those better days to come before I retire. But if it doesn't, then I trust it'll come with whoever replaces me eventually. But, you know, I believe that the glory of the latter house, the, 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 the latter glory of this house shall be greater than the former. Now, I've got my sleeves. I can't roll them up. I've got short sleeves today. Probably all that. But Ian hasn't, so stand up, Ian. Face the front, to face the back, face that way. I don't want God, please. Undo your buttons and roll your sleeves up. <laughs> you must be sweating. <laughs> Watch what he's doing. Listen, folk, brothers and sisters, can we not all do that for the sake of the work of the Lord and for the gospel, for the community around us? Roll our sleeves up. Be committed. To the work of the Lord. Don't just come once in a while. I added my notes on the second subject. We need to not pencil in the Sunday morning service. Because you can rub that out. It should be pen inked into our diaries. The Sunday evening service. As, as, 
I know that some have families and stuff like that, and it's more difficult. They should be pens, they should be pen inked into our diaries. And I'm going to go further to say, I believe the Wednesday evening should be pen inked to our diaries, and the Friday evening should be pen inked into our diaries, because God should come first. And when we start to put God first and begin to work, the glory of this house is going to be former than, better than the former. I'm bringing what God has given me. It's up to you now whether you accept it. But I want to see God move amongst us. And the word that's been coming to me this week is, and it came out with Norman on Friday, is the word remnant. The word remnant. God has really been placing that word on my heart this week, the word remnant. And thank God if there's a remnant willing, remnant that will be faithful, he'll use them. Because his purposes will come to pass. Let's be in that remnant. Every one of us. Be in this remnant. This is a call, I believe, that God has placed in my heart. So it's a call from the heart of God. Let's be faithful. Let's be committed to this place. And as the folks see the numbers increasing, because we're more regular, who knows who the Holy Spirit will draw in? Glory. And men and women will be saved from going to hell as a result of our obedience to the word of the Lord. Amen.